Finally, said, this is mine, and stamped their feet on the packed earth. They were the last to leave, and the first to return. They were also the most likely to survive, as if they had the gift of estivation, drying up, slowing, sleeping for days, rising only to take little sips of what they could steal from the wells. Like the resurrection plants, with stems like rope and black burnt leaves, blooming again at the first sign of rain. They watched the sky and pinned their hopes on wisps of clouds stretching languidly across the blue. They shuttered windows and covered the wells. They watched neighbors leave and listened to rumors of where the government had set up way stations and where there was disease. They killed the bone-thin zebu cows and then the goats, the animals arching weakly away from the dull blades of the knives. The meat of these last goats was stringy and dry. In silty water, the women made stews from the guts and broth from the hoofs and tendons. They left the healthiest ones for the long march. They watched the sky and pinned their hopes on the empty blue of it. Hadn't they heard stories of rain falling from cloudless skies, last-minute interventions by St. Joseph or St. Barbara? What of thorn ghosts who could stream tassels of water from the bean trees or open fountains from the cracks in the empty riverbeds? They began to leave candles at the crossroads and sprinkle cane wine on the lips of their patron saints. They watched the sky and finally cursed it, cursed the clouds in the absence of the clouds, the laziness of the clouds, the immoderation of the clouds that refused to leave the coast with its plump women and rich black soil. They rolled their icons of St. Joseph into the blankets alongside the bowls. They spent their final nights at home. These were restless nights, and every one of them dreamed of the dust storms. This, they said, meant it was time to go, when the dreams turned dry and the clouds stayed away even in the night. They woke the children before dawn and set out while it was still cool. They calculated how far it was to the coast and how much water remained. When they spoke of those hours, they said, we passed hunger, as if it were a place, an outpost on a lonely road. Other times, they said, hunger passed through here, as if something alive, a pale-hoofed creature who tore through on bristling haunches or ambled out of the white forest with a worn suit and a broken face, a monster or a devil. Isabel was three when she left, and four when she came home, and so her memory was only a child's memory, made of smells and light and the uneven surface of the road. What she remembered was this, the hot taste of the charqui her aunt pushed into her cheek with a dirty thumb when she cried, the difference in the warmth of her mother's body and the radiating heat of the ground, her father's hands, pink burned and black with the grease of the engine. She remembered the sky, too, and how she hated it with a child's hate, her father's hands were pink-burned because the engine seized constantly, and the men were too anxious to let the radiator cool. They had been lucky to find a ride on a flatbed, and wouldn't be as lucky on the journey home. What she remembered of the drought camps was the dark shade of a government tent, the chlorinated smell of the water, novenas of soft, sad songs, the sting of vaccination needles, a yellow dog that came and nosed her hammock until someone kicked it away. She couldn't recall the trip home and wondered if it was because she was sick or too tired. They had purchased a spavined horse and a dray from a family that decided to stay on the coast. 
They rode until a wheel split east of Blackwater. Since there were no nails, they unlatched the horse and loaded it with their bags. The path was filled with families returning to the backlands. Later, she would imagine the camp strung out on the long roads like seeds on a rosary, but she didn't know if this memory was her own or from someone who held her. For the next three years in St. Michael, the rains came. The white forest blossomed in patches of olive green and light maroon. Isabel grew up playing with her brother Isaias and with her cousins. When she was older, it was easy to remember herself as one of the tiny girls with thin legs and swollen bellies. Her aunt once teased, like little wild animals. She had no birth certificate and no vaccination card despite the needles she endured in the camps. She was five when she first stood before a mirror, advancing suspiciously toward the new child with dirt-bannered cheeks.